you don't mind, please expand on what it's like going from Australia to Mississippi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, so this this south. was <laughs> I know, man. This was back in like 2010 or 11 or something. So when I was back at uni and did exchange and uh like I was saying just before we started recording, like most people go to you know, New York or they want to go to California or something and I wanted to do something different. So I chose Mississippi and it's really funny because we have some family friends from like way back in the day that live uh, in the States. And she was like, um, uh, so uh, are you sure you want to go to Mississippi? <laughs> I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. It'll be sweet. And it was really, really fun. So I don't think there was like too much culture shock from my end because like we obviously watch tons of uh, TV and stuff all comes out of America. Um, but I think from their end, just like not really knowing anything about Australia was really funny. So it's like heaps of people just thinking that there's like kangaroos bouncing down the street and there's sharks everywhere in the water and stuff. So that was pretty funny. Yeah. Do you guys actually have like giant spiders everywhere? Yeah, yeah, you do. Every like, so that is legit. They're called huntsmen. And if you, they're about the size of your hand. So they'll, they're harmless, but they'll be in most houses where at some point you'll have a little huntsman there. And we usually leave them alone because they eat all the bugs and they're harmless. So it's freaky because they're huge, but they usually just chill in the corner of the room for a couple of days and then piss off again. So that's all right. Yeah. Uh, I would not be able to get over that. No way. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's uh, so my wife's Swedish and she, it took her a long time to kind of be like, okay, the giant spider is not going to hurt me. Right. It's just like a big pet at that point. Big, big it pest, pest and exterminator in some ways. Like, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. My dad, so he did a couple tours in Iraq. And mm -hmm. he, when he was over there, he said that there were something you're like called a camel spider. And he oh, said, my God. Yeah. I've heard yeah, about these things. They're huge. And he would talk about they hate the sun, but they would like every night you put your boots out, something like that. And lo and behold, one of them would crawl mm. into the, the boot of your shoe. Mm. So he said, you know, his first couple of weeks over there, like you'd have, you just put your foot in there and this giant spider is just like freaking out, like grabbing yeah, your dude, toes. Nah. Dude, like things of a nightmare. Like, <laughs> nah, but he said the worst that. part is that you would kick him out of your shoe or something and, you know, out in the sun and they, they hate it. So they would right. chase after you because they're trying to stay within your shadow. Oh my God, dude. So <laughs> like no. you have this huge spider that just came out of your shoe and then it chases you across like the <laughs> desert. Like. It's like, you know, like if you see a, a bug or like, I don't know, like a, a rodent or something or a snake or whatever. And it's like, okay, it's cool. But then as soon as it starts like moving and freaking out, you're like, oh shit. And you yeah, just go crazy. Right. It's like, oh, I can't handle this. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's oh. some like weird, like early humanoid, early primate thing. I think that kicks yeah, exactly. out of everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's like emergency takes over. Exactly. So Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, so getting back to kind of like the exchange thing. I, so we actually had an exchange student from Australia that came to the University of Kentucky. And mm -hmm. I would definitely say that there was some culture shock with that for us more so. Yeah. Um, did you like, is that where you like got into training? Like, did you start like personal training in college and like during that time or? I was before that actually. So uh, the, the long and short of it is uh, like last year of school, I just kind of didn't really know what I wanted to do once, once I left. So I just kind of signed up for a business degree, 
thought they would be generally applicable to whatever and thought it was okay, but didn't really enjoy it because I didn't really know what I was going to do. Right. right. Um, so I kind of just took a personal training course just while I figured out what the hell I was going to do with my life. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and this was in 2008 when I finished that and started working as a personal trainer. Um, and then was really into it. So then like after a, a year or two, yeah, after a year, I think I applied uh, to go back to university and I started a degree there that was like biology focused. So <clears throat> it was like a double degree. I guess it would be a double major, but it's uh, it was psychology and biology. And then later on, I consolidated that into neuroscience. So yeah, that's when that all happened. In neuroscience? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> From yeah, business I just thought degree it was to neuroscience. I didn't really have a plan to do anything with it. It's kind of like if you have a neuroscience degree or an undergraduate, it's like, okay, you're either doing further study and pursuing like a PhD in that area or something, or you're going to go into like medicine or something. And I was just going to keep being a personal trainer. But, you know, I got to do all of the um physiology and stuff actually the reason i chose it was because it was like one of the more flexible majors uh so i could take some of the psychology i had already done from my previous double major at it at the previous university and use a lot of those as credits towards my neuroscience which meant i had a lot of like pretty flexible credits i could use to choose what i wanted to do so that's why i did that because it was more flexible than doing like a sports science degree where it was like very on the rails and you had to do placement and stuff like that. So that's why I did that, um, which was really cool. So really enjoyed a lot of that stuff, but I was working at the same time. So, and I was, so it was a bit tough when like, you've been a personal trainer for a couple of years, you've been getting up at like 4.30 to go and like try and run your own business. And then you're going back to school and there's a bunch of kids that are like fresh out of high school there that have essentially zero responsibility. It was a bit like hard <laughs> to yeah. kind of like really enjoy it as much as I maybe could have, but you know, that's just how it is. Right. Well, I mean, it's a good and a bad thing, you know, in some ways it's like you lose out on probably some of the fun stuff, but yeah, for good reason. Like you look yeah. back on it, you're probably like that. I'm glad. <laughs> well, at the end of the day, I got to do exchange, which was like yeah. in, insane. Um, and I actually probably got something out of the degree as opposed to just, uh, you know, trying to get the grades or whatever. I was actually like genuinely interested because I was like, oh, I can see how this applies to my job and stuff. So mm-hmm. when you say applies to your job, do you have any examples? Well, for me, the big thing was like, I was reading all of this stuff that, and I mean, it still happens today where you, you read people saying things in the fitness industry about training or nutrition or anything else really. And if you just have some kind of foundational knowledge by biology biochem physiology a lot of it you can kind of like stress test you can uh what's what's the phrase they use there's like um some phrase they use in like programming and stuff where it's essentially like does it pass the sniff test or not right Right. and if you have some of that fundamental knowledge then it makes it pretty easy to kind of go like "Eh, it doesn't really make any sense or hey there might be something here based on like the basic biology that i know so i think it really helped a lot with that because there's so much like as you know there's so much like received wisdom and just shit that gets repeated over and over again that probably just started with maybe a single person writing an article somewhere or whatever Mm -hmm. uh so i found it really handy from from that point of view and it just meant that like i was really obsessed with reading 
articles and blog posts and stuff online as it was back then, listening to podcasts and that kind of thing. And so I think it really helped me at least have some kind of filter when it came to that stuff. Not not that it helped entirely, of course, because we all go through our phases of crazy shit that we that we get stuck on. But oh know. yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah. So because you were probably training, so I graduated from. Uh, like kind of around that same time, but mm. you were like early teen nation days. Probably. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was I literally, I was thinking teen nation as I was telling you that I was like, yeah. I, I read a lot of teen nation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was curious. I was like, man, so like, so teen nation was still pretty like big in Australia as well. Yeah. Yeah, okay. totally. Uh, teen nation was massive. And um, I, I also did a lot of like Charles Poliquin's stuff. So that was really big in Australia. Like especially, in Sydney and Melbourne, there were like some, some the, the sort of coaching community that was into that stuff was like pretty big and his courses went nuts when he came out to Australia. So I was pretty into that, which meant, you know, I was really into lots of low carb stuff, a lot of, uh, let's say alternative medicine stuff that is mm-hmm. kind of like, uh, maybe got a kernel of truth to it. Like sure, eat unprocessed foods. That's probably going to be healthier for you, but it's probably not going to like, you know, whatever whatever I'm going to make or break it. it yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, so I have a couple of clients that are down in Australia. I've also talked to, you know, a number of people and they always have this comment and they're like, Oh, well, you know, like the States are always way ahead in terms of like fitness and you mm-hmm. know, that type of stuff. And I was just curious if you would agree with that. Like I talk to them and they say that, but yet we hold conversations. We talk about the same things. Like, or would you say that it's more that it's just very like what's the word it's more concentrated in mm-hmm. australia versus like widely accepted yeah i honestly i in my experience i think the personal training industry and stuff as a whole is probably the best or the most ahead or whatever in australia out of anywhere i've been in the world yeah um to be perfectly honest uh like fitness and then strength and conditioning and sports and stuff in general i actually think that australia does really really well so the australian institute of sport and some of the stuff that's been happening inside our like our australian football league and stuff like that they pioneered the use of things like gps and that kind of stuff for Mm -hmm. athlete metrics so i think we actually hold our own really well there but what i'd probably say is that if you're looking at like the cream of the crop, the best of the best, then the States is very hard to compete with because of just the sheer population, the amount of money uh, that's in it. Like if you've got, like, for example, we don't really have college sports, you know, like it's just not really a thing. So, yeah, um, you know, what's going on over there is like pretty full on. But I, I think if I was to speak to like the average Australian personal trainer, for example, and the average personal trainer from the States, I, I'd say their knowledge and and that sort of stuff is quite similar. But I do think the industry in Australia is is pretty up there. And a lot of people, you know, you'll meet an average person on the street who's got like a personal trainer, which is kind of unthinkable in a lot of European countries, for example, they just, it's just not a thing. So yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because it's, the country is like, somewhere between 20 and 25 million people. So it's not like tiny, but it's not huge either. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. Right. So do you currently live in Europe? Are you in Sweden? Yeah, I'm in Sweden at the moment. So I live in Gothenburg at the moment. So the fitness scene is like, it's different here. It's it's quite good, but it's just not even the same for a personal trainer compared to Sydney. So mm-hmm. no, I, 
I would agree with that. So at least, and I'm saying this, like I'm, like I said, we got on here and I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio. It's nothing special. Yeah. Um, we're definitely probably like way behind <laughs> in this <laughs> area here than most places around the world uh, when it comes to and, <laughs> and rehab. It's not like I moved here and I literally couldn't find a job. Like, yeah, right. It, people were like, what do you do? Like, what? <laughs> Is like, that right? Really? Oh, yeah. It's, it was bad. That's why I went. So I'm full time online. And mm. it, I literally, yeah, I just couldn't find a job. Like, uh, so I do um, like physical therapy. I'm a physical therapist assistant. And then I also have been a trainer for a long time. Mm. And it worked out really well on the West Coast. Like people yeah, love me. Sure. They're like, we want this. We want someone that can kind of help with the rehab side and then take people on to, you know, get where they want to go in life. I come here and they're like, what are you talking about? These are two separate entities. Like you can't combine the two. So I was just stuck like working in nursing homes, like doing basic physical therapy yeah, there. Yeah. And I was yeah. going crazy. But anyways, um, getting back to just kind of the world and how it views like fitness and everything. When I've talked to people and in my international clients, they talk about Europe and they're like, oh, it's so behind. It's so behind. And then I mm-hmm. talked to Australia and they're like, well, we're pretty far behind, but it I'm the same way. I'm like, you guys are good. I like what you're doing. Like, again, we can have conversations, all this stuff. And here in the States, it's just the city you go to. But Right. I mean, that makes sense. But I think like, I don't know. I I think that it sounds like those Australians have maybe never been to like somewhere in the States where it's not big or to Europe. Because I'm telling you, if like we went... (laughs) We went on our honeymoon, we went to Italy, right? And we were staying with this guy in Airbnb and we we're like, hey, are there any gyms around here? And he's like, gyms? What the fuck are you talking about? Right. He goes, well, uh, we kick a football in the park in summer. And I was like, yeah, okay, mate. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea what I'm talking about. Right. Um, it's really different. And like in like Scandinavia has quite a strong sort of strength sport history. So like uh, Sweden, especially, you know, mm-hmm. a lake goes from here, you'll find like a lake in every gym. They're quite into like, you'll find quite a lot of powerlifters and strength training and stuff. But at the same time, the actual, like as a personal training industry or actually purchasing services for training is just, yeah, it's, it's virtual. I wouldn't say it's non-existent, but it's, it's definitely a model of like, you're getting paid slightly above uh, like, minimum wage kind of thing to be a trainer you know what i mean right um whereas where i'm from there's people charging like literally hundreds of dollars an hour to train high flyers and shit in the city and that's not uncommon you know right like when i was working in this will be australian dollars like 10 years ago but like i was charging 120 bucks an hour you know what i mean which is like serious cheese like it's pretty good so um just the the difference in mindset is insane what do you think that is? Like, you, do you believe that Europe is still just, is it more like the culture? I feel like Australian and American culture is relatively similar yeah. uh, in, in a lot of way or like mindset. Whereas mm. like Europeans still have this mindset of like, you know, it, like you go to Spain and it's like, we're going to take siestas in the middle of the day and yeah. we're just here to live. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think there is that mindset in Europe. Like, why would you pay someone to help you? work out or, or be active or something it just doesn't make sense to them um, right. there's probably an element in especially in sydney or like say melbourne or something where it is a little bit more like rat race the cities of like four or five million people it's probably more similar to like you know la or new york than it is to 
a mid-sized city in Europe. Mm -hmm. um, and I found in Europe as well, like, especially in Scandinavia, they, they enjoy going to the gym and stuff, but their way of being active is to be outside a lot more. So like during summer, I don't think that many people go to the gym. They might even put their gym membership on hold because they're going to be out on the lakes a lot and, and cycling and, and this kind of thing. So I think the mentality is a, probably a bit different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I, I get that. That's similar to how it was in Seattle, like mm. summertime, like it's dead. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's no one. It was like truly, truly like the off season, if you would. But mm. everyone's in the mountains, you know. Everyone's yeah, totally. in the lakes. Like they're just taking advantage of the great weather. And like, I fully support it. I'm like, I, I want to be yeah. there. Like, <laughs> uh, it makes a lot of sense. It's pretty cool to see like everyone getting pretty active and getting outdoors. Um, yeah, so that's cool. But yeah, it's definitely probably more of a status thing and, and, and maybe people are a little bit more uh, physique oriented, I suppose, in, in big cities in Australia, maybe. Mm -hmm. And that's what you really help with, right? Like you get into like more bodybuilding physique, mm -hmm. body composition. That's like your cream. Yeah, mostly you that. I, I have a few powerlifters. Um, I've helped a, f a couple of like endurance athletes as well. So I've kind of done a bit of everything. Mm -hmm. Um but the majority is probably physique oriented and it's something that I'm personally less interested in, but you know, the, the thing that, that drives me, I suppose, is that I've had some of the experience training for that. I've coached a lot of people in that area and it's something that I can actually help them with. So I have a very like uh, client led approach. So I'm, I'm happy for them to come in and be like, Hey, listen, this is what I need to do. Like the problem is I don't have the knowledge slash structure slash know how, whatever it is. And that's something that I can provide them and I'm happy to do that. Uh, so that's kind of where I come in, I guess. Um, and, and a lot of what I've sort of worked on with a lot of those people is actually appreciating other things that their bodies can do and, and moving a little bit away on the sole focus on aesthetics as well. Mm -hmm. So I think that's like an interesting aspect to have someone who is maybe um, physique oriented and cares a lot about their physique and how they look and weigh and all this sort of stuff. But at the same time, maybe making that a more enjoyable part of their life because we can actually focus on some other areas too, which kind of interestingly means that not all the eggs aren't in one basket, I suppose. And it allows them to actually relax and enjoy that process more because there's not so much riding on like, Oh my God, I can't see my abs today or something like that. Yeah, definitely. And that's hard. I mean, you know, we get in this, I think just fitness culture in general, it's like, we have to stay focused on one thing yeah. and you can lose sight of just like the journey and mm. kind of just fall in love with the process. Right. Um, and cause at the end of the day, like we want to make this something that I even forget this you know, with training people. Cause I get focused. Right. Yeah. And it's like, I, I want this person to just fall in love with being active for the, the rest of their life. Yep. you know, do something like be in the gym, whatever it is. Like, I just want you to do it for the rest of your life because you're going to get more enjoyment and all the great things that come from that. Right. Um, yeah. Do you have any, like, it, like what's your, like some of your biggest tips, I guess, for like, how would you remind someone like that? This is, yeah, yeah. That, that's what we're really going after. Like you need the aesthetics. We want it. I'm going to get you there, but like, here's the big picture. Yeah, totally. Well, I, for me, I've noticed that what people are looking for with the aesthetics is 
okay, it's when we drill down to it, it's a way for them to express self-discipline, to feel more confident in themselves, um, to have some control over some aspect of their lives because maybe other areas of their life it feels a little bit like they're a cog in a machine or something like that. For example, with work, maybe they don't have much autonomy in their role at work, uh, things like that. So training and chasing this physique is a way of them sort of you know, engaging with those values. And so what I, what I like to do is to help them uh, identify some values that are important to them and to think about how they can live in accordance with those values. So for example, if they wanted to, if they feel like discipline is an important thing to them, it's like a, you know, you might have sort of 10 or 15 values that you think are important to who you are and how you want to live your life. Um, but you might have sort of three to five that are like a top priority, like non-negotiable. I'm really focused on this right now. Let's say discipline is one of them, right? Um, there's lots of ways you can express that without necessarily looking a certain way. So people sometimes equate like, well, if I'm not shredded and jacked and I'm not showing up to the gym like five, six days a week, then I can't be disciplined. But the reality is, is that you can express discipline in many ways without it having anything to do with how you look. And so just getting them to recognize that and understand, okay, what behaviors and what processes are involved in me expressing this value of discipline. Sometimes it's actually training less, uh, ironically, you know? Right. So, I, I mean, I feel this myself with like work and stuff. I used to work like 70 hour weeks and every single day, right? I never had a day off. And I actually... Um, one of my important things is, is to challenge myself. I think that that's a really top important personal value of mine is that I want challenge in my life. Uh, and so, you know, when I, when I realized actually the challenge for me is not to work hard, it's not to work more. The challenge for me is to work less. That's actually the hard thing for me to do. And, and when I realized that it actually helped me to bring some balance back to my life. So we can kind of, same thing happens with the fitness, right? Uh, or they want to be more self-confident. Okay, cool. Well, you don't have to look a certain way necessarily to be self-confident. You can build your confidence by getting stronger, by um, exploring new movement patterns that you never tried before. Um, that kind of stuff, right? So I think that's pretty key because it means that now, yes, we can still chase an aesthetic or whatever, but at the same time, it gives us other avenues to express that value, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. it, I love the whole idea of working less. Like yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I actually no, had right. this conversation and he's going to, he's going to listen to this podcast. It's one of my clients because he was like, Hey, like you know, we're kind of prepping. We just got done with a cut, you know, went from like 200 down to 175, like looking good, all this stuff kind of hanging out right now, 175, 180, just not counting calories at this point. And he's like, okay, when I go into the bulk, what if I start doing two a days? I'm like, <laughs> you don't need to, like you, you really don't need to. And, you know, we get caught equating effort with the outcome all the time. Right. It's like, if I work, if I'm the hardest worker in the, in the room, like I'm going to get where I need to go. And it's like, Yes, sometimes. <laughs> like, to a point, yeah. <laughs> to a point. And, you know, I fell victim to this in my early career and just training. It's like, you know, I wasn't the biggest. I wasn't the strongest. I wasn't the most shredded. So I was like, oh, but if I, I'm going to grind, I'm going to be that mm -hmm. guy. And so I was like, going to the gym, you know, I'm going to, you know, fail on every exercise that I <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> it just, it doesn't necessarily work that way. Like it's, it's yeah. more that... I'd rather optimize someone's time 
you know, and the effort that they are putting in. It's like, what if I can get you the same goals, but you work 50% less? <laughs> exactly. Exactly, man. And like one thing, it's interesting that you say, it because one thing that I do with some of my clients is I ask them to make a little like pie chart of um, how much of their, their mental sort of space uh, their their cognitive bandwidth is taken up with different areas of their life. So if we were to say like work, uh, family and relationships, hobbies, um, fitness, whatever. So go through and make a little pie chart of that. And often they'll do that and fitness or, you know, food or whatever will be like 60% of it. And their family and their hobbies will be like 10% each. <laughs> and then when you look at that, you go, oh, okay. <laughs> Right. So there's nothing wrong with fitness being a really, really big chunk of your life. Uh, but when you realize that that's proportionally so much larger than spending time with your family or, or your relationships, it's kind of like, okay, that's not how yeah. I want it to be. So what do I need to do more of? What do I need to do less of? Cool. Okay. Two days, probably not for me, but maybe I can spend that time on a hobby or whatever. Right. Right. It, you know, I tell people in that situation, like, if you're 60%, 70% of your life is fitness, like you better be getting paid for it. Like you better Hell be yeah. like doing what we're doing at that yeah, point, dude. you know? But even then I, you've yeah. probably experienced this too, because there's so many people who get into fitness because they love it. Right. That was me. I mean, mm -hmm. reading T nation articles all day. Uh, and, and like, it was like, cool. My job is as a trainer. When I go home, I read about training. When I socialize, I socialize with other trainers. Mm -hmm. Okay. My entire life, revolves around the gym, you know? And when I, when I realized that I was like, oh shit, okay. I, I want there to be more to me than that, you know? Um, so that was a quite a revelation too, but I, yeah, totally. I mean, I take your point there as well. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> when you realize like, actually this is, this thing's supposed to be enriching my life, uh, in some way, I'm not even getting paid for this yet. All I can think about is my, my next session or whatever. Yeah. Right. It, you honestly become almost asleep to it in some ways. Like, yeah, just, yeah. you know, I remember when I started my online business, I was so excited to learn something else. And I was like learning about marketing and yeah. business. And I was like, oh, this is crazy. Like I never thought, you know, I was able to make correlations between the two, like they're different things, but I could like kind of combine them. I was like, oh, this is what it's like to actually learn something else. <laughs> like, mm. Yeah, uh, I had the and, same uh, experience. Yeah, like in just having that time and, I think it's interesting. I'm curious when you started to get your time back, like uh, you're a, you're a dad now, correct? I am. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. awesome, man. How, how old is yeah. the little one? Six months. Six months. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's intense. Yeah. I would say <laughs> I was going to be like, Oh, what do you do now that you're enjoying your extra time? Yeah, but yeah. Now, <laughs> it's like, I watch it's, her. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's, um, She's crazy, man. She's so active and she learns really quickly. So like we've seen other babies that are like pretty, pretty chill but she's like does not stop moving and she's recently just started like standing up by herself as well and she's literally just turned six months so uh we're, it's trouble you got a while but, uh, more. <laughs> but you know what the funny thing was with that reducing the workload stuff um i actually set myself a challenge of saying uh like what if i just cut my hours in half like how much could i get done uh, and so I went from 70 hours to 35 hours, like literally, I was like, okay, this is just like impossible thing, but it might be a bit of fun just to see like, how close can I get? And I ended up getting all of the work done I needed to get done in less than 35 hours. 
And it was just because I was focused and I was very, uh, like I was trying to achieve it essentially. Like that was, mm-hmm. that was the main thing. Uh, so it was quite eye-opening because my sort of productivity didn't change whatsoever, but I was able to do it all in literally less than half the time, which sounds, it sounds like I should be like shilling a book right now about this, right? This is right. like four hour work week, <laughs> but, but legit, like that's what happened. Um, you know, so it really did make me think also about other areas where you can where you can do that sort of stuff if you kind of just accept that it might be possible and if you're genuinely focused on it. Uh, but it was a funny thing how that happened. So, um, yeah, I, I guess it's it's worth giving a shot sometimes. Oh, for sure. It, I think though, what becomes a little bit frightening is when people like I experience this, where you get to that point say you optimize the time that you're actually utilizing for work. And then it's like, Oh, I have like six hours left in my day. Like, yeah. What do I do? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I struggled there for a long time with that. It was like, I just was watching for a while. I just played video games and watched TV in that extra time mm. because I, did, I literally yeah. didn't know what else to do. Then I was like, okay, I'm just wasting my time now. Like, what do I, like, yeah. I need to do <laughs> something else. So then I started like allotting some of that time to, you know, I'm going to spend another hour learning something new. It doesn't even have to be mm-hmm. training related, just learn something. So now I like go take the dog for an hour walk and listen to an audio book about, you know, Mongolians or something like that, nice. <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah. random, like, um, but I think that can be a bit frightening because like just truly don't know what to do at that point. Um, yep. It's a bit of like your identity is a little bit like tied up in I'm the busy work guy, like building my own business here. Uh, Not even just outwardly, but like to yourself, that's kind of like your identity. And it does go back to that whole, like I often felt the pressure of like, you know, yeah, you got to work hard. You know what I mean? Um, And so I equated working hard with the amount of time I was spending on something, but it was also in my head, I had to rearrange that and be like, listen, there's no way you're actually productive for 70 hours a week. Like that does, it doesn't work. You know, it's just, there's a rare human being that can do that if any. So, um, I think it was also just like trying to bring back this concept of like productivity is not how much, how long you spend on something. It's the quality that you put into it, which I think goes for training as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and any other pursuit really. So, yeah, I definitely experienced that too. And then when you have this free time, it was I would also would feel guilty if I used it to do something I enjoyed, honestly. Like if I played a video game for an hour or two, I would feel like really guilty, like I'm wasting my time here. I could be doing working on my business or something else. Um, so certainly it's not like a license to be playing video games like six hours a day or whatever. But, you know, at the same time, I think you kind of have to sometimes learn to be like, hey, it's okay if I want to fucking watch Netflix for an hour or two. Yeah, exactly. It's like just not being... The guilt, that's a huge thing. I, I definitely yeah. felt that for sure. It's like, oh, I'm a, I'm a waste of a human. I can't believe I just did that. People would kill to have this much time, you know. Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wasted it on two hours. And like, I it that time, that hour, 30 minutes with them becomes like a, a currency in its own way. Exactly. It, it's weird, man. It's, it's such a different way to look at it. But, but uh, what's your goal with the business then? Like, is it too build it into an empire or is it to like get back some of your own time or, or like have flexibility? Like, what is it? Uh, it's definitely been time. So yep. we, at first, you know, when we, 
you know, COVID threw everything off. We moved here, couldn't find a job, nothing like that. So we, um, I just, I built it out of desperation at first. Mm. And then it was, you know, that grind mode completely made sense. It's like, I'm going to go work at the nursing home for eight hours a day. And then we'll come home and I will put in four or five hours of calls and build out this business. So that way I don't have to work at the nursing home. Mm. And then I quit and it was like, well, technically I'm only working four to five hours a day and I don't yeah. even have to. And so it was like, I was lost there. Um, and now at this point I've definitely, you know, I work 25 hours a week, something like that. I've reclaimed, you know, a lot of my time I'm doing what I love. Mm. So I look at it, this as like a form of retirement in some ways. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's like, I'm, do, I'm doing it. Uh, now at this point, I am actually a little stuck in some ways of like <laughs> trying to figure out where I want to take it. Do I want to make, you know, hire someone on, mm. You know, I I think at this point it's more just turning into how can I better help more people just like I, I just like making content, you know. Mm-hmm. So having the time to make content um and fill that gap of like rehab to training, like mm-hmm. that void that everyone like fights through. And if I can ease that process a little more with free content, like I'll do it. I don't mind. It's awesome. we we seem to have a very similar thing going on man because i've also been through that whole of like a thing of like okay am i am i going to hire someone is that the next step like what what's next kind of thing um but i kind of figured that it's it's almost like okay you take that 60 70 hour work week you cut it back it feels great to have the flexibility and the time back and then you build the business more by hiring someone. And then all of a sudden your hours go up again and then you're fighting to get them back. And it's like, but you were there already, you know, you already had the flexibility and the hours you wanted and the income was very comfortable. Right. Like why do you want to expand it more sort of thing? Um, Yeah. So it's a battle for sure, but I I can definitely, uh, I can definitely relate to that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you listen, like I listen to a lot of audio books and business things and business podcasts and like, you know, Alex Hermosi is like, right now yeah. he's been making yeah. like a huge marketing push and i'll listen to his stuff and he's like you need to get to three million i'm like <laughs> yeah. how do i do that by myself do i need to do that i want to try like <laughs> yeah you know and it's like that's never going to happen if it's just me like that's a that's a multi-million dollar company and that's a whole thing and it's like you said i i think i i value time a lot more and like you know i get married here september 2nd actually and cool we're going to have kids and we're going to have all this stuff. So like, I look at you and what you're doing is like, Oh, like you have the time to be with your little one and 100%. do all of that. And that's something I definitely want to have. Like, I want to be there for my kid. I want to take him to the sports and, you know, drop them off. And I think that's something that's super valuable that modern society doesn't really allow for working a nine to five anymore. hundred percent, man. So, and, um, yeah, I, I can't express how valuable that is until you're in it and you can, you know, like my wife works from home as well. So <clears throat> coupled with the Swedish, uh, social security, like it's, it's pretty crazy how much time we can actually spend with, uh, our daughter and how much time we can spend supporting each other as well. Cause it's, it's kind of shit if like you know, for, for your soon to be wife, like you have the, the kid, it's like, cool, I'm off to work for like nine to five or whatever, and then get home. And then, you know, 
you've got to pick up the slack as well. Like it's just the the way it's set up just doesn't work that well. But mm-hmm. if you're in a position where we are, it's like shit, man. I moved countries twice during the pandemic, and it was fine. Like there was no interruption to my business. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and we had the flexibility to work from any of those countries. We had the flexibility to spend some time dealing with all the immigration shit. Uh, if we needed to go into an office to get biometrics taken or whatever, we could just do it whenever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, yeah, you know, it was stressful, but like, I can't imagine what it would have been like if I was trying to actually move, like have a normal job, you know? Yeah. I can't imagine trying to find a job through all that. Well, I mean, I can, I yeah. went through it just moving within the United States. Like I yeah, cannot yeah. imagine like <laughs> other countries, like that would be insane. Yeah. And but no, it's super valuable to be able to have that. And I think that's something. So my fiance, she still works at a, the hospital. I mean, it's five de- five minutes from us right now, which is great. But even then, just like the the stressors and just mm-hmm. going to this place and all of that, like you can definitely feel it. And we also don't have the best of healthcare too, which doesn't help <laughs> at all. So it's like when we do get to that step, it's like, man, I you know, it, a lot of the the home stuff is definitely going to be on me, but at least I can, you know, I can do it, you know, yep. that, that's, that's huge to me and being able to support that and support the kid. I guess that'd probably be a big goal of mine is just to be able to get to the point where my fiance doesn't have to work if she didn't want yep. to, or she could work on passion product projects that turn into full-time employment of her own at that point. 100%. So I think that's probably my next goal and how to get to that point. I don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. But um, I mean, just having the the space and the flexibility to, to kind of do that on your own terms is yeah, underrated. I think we kind of forget that. Some, like I've never had a normal job, you know, so. Right. It, it, it's Personal training that, is not a normal job in general. No, 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 exactly. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I think you probably take it for granted if you haven't experienced like being like in an office for 10 hours a day or whatever it is. Um, <clears throat> so. Oh, I quickly yeah. learned I was not. So I worked at, as a bank teller for a little mm-hmm. bit. I worked like in office office jobs and I was like, I have to have like a minimum 400 to 600 milligrams of caffeine to stay awake yeah. at these jobs. <laughs> yeah. Like I, this is not for me. <laughs> That's brutal. Huh? Yeah. Oh, it was terrible. Like I was talking to my mom about it because she got me like the bank teller job and i was like i'm sorry but that was the worst thing i ever experienced in my life (laughs) she's like well i get it it was a job i was like i know i know i made money but never again i will not you (laughs) will not do that yeah 100 man i'm curious what your your own training looks like right now you know you Mm -hmm. have your baby six month old baby um Like, are you in the gym? Are you maintaining? Are you still pushing like different goals? What's that look like? Uh, It's three days a week in the gym for me at the moment. So um, it's it's pretty decent actually, like the amount of training I can do given how, like our our kid's pretty demanding. Um, Mm -hmm. She doesn't sleep that well, uh, super active. But um, yeah, I managed to get three days a week in the gym uh, occasionally I can get a fourth day of playing some touch rugby on the weekend as well, which is cool, but it's definitely like at my, I suppose my, my bodybuilding obsessed peak, um, you know, I was 95, 96 kilos. I was like 8% on a DEXA. Like I was a big boy, you know, um, Mm. literally couldn't find clothes to fit me. 
veins everywhere, this kind of thing. And so th there's quite a stark contrast to that now. The mindset's very different. I actually went through a period where I, I got really overtraining because I was just like, it was all I did, right? Um, and I just kind of didn't see what the point of it was anymore because uh, I, I couldn't see myself getting like bigger or, or leaner than that, really. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a bit like, well, what do I do? And I'm a bit over this. Uh, I so did it. I had to, <laughs> yeah, I did it. Like, I, I don't know, like, what's the next step? Like, to start jabbing or something, I guess. But it was just like, you know, what's next? I actually didn't care much about like competing with bodybuilding or powerlifting or anything. So, um, yeah, man. So like, I think training for me now is, is definitely, a, I haven't pushed myself very hard in training for several years, to be perfectly honest. Uh, like there's been periods certainly where I've like, I work hard in the gym and stuff, but compared to what I was doing before, it's, it, you know, I used to murder myself. So, um, <laughs> it, it's pretty different now, but you know, it's just nice to be able to kind of move one of the, like, you obviously have to be pretty time efficient. So like, I, I'm just doing, I'm pretty lucky the gym I go to has kind of like a CrossFit box attached to a regular gym. And the CrossFit box is kind of like empty during the day. So I go in there and I set up like, you know, basically I can like bench press and chin up and squat or whatever, almost in like a circuit or, or whatever. So I, I do it. So it's just time efficient. Cause obviously I need to get back to help out with the kid and stuff. So there's a lot of that stuff, man. Um, it's pretty straightforward, but it's nothing special. It's really basic. And, and even the stuff that built my physique before that I did was very basic. It was just very persistent and I pushed myself really hard. So, uh, yeah, I often get people when I make posts and stuff, they're like, well, like, what was your leg routine or whatever? Cause like my quads are just genetically, uh, they're good. And, uh, I really actually love training legs, which most people don't. So I'm like, well, the secret is that I actually enjoy squatting a lot. And so I squatted heaps, um, you know, and they asked for like a training routine. I'm like, listen, it's, it's not impressive. I don't post my own training because it is super boring. It's yeah. super, super boring. Um, but it, you know, it just does the job, I guess. I mean, I talk to people about that because I'm in a similar situation. Like I, you know, I'll, I'll post some fancy stuff on Instagram just to, you know, get the following all of mm -hmm. that stuff. Right. But a lot of what I do is bare bones, basic four by eight, you know, yep. three by 10, whatever machine press over a lot of machines, a lot of just yep. normal movements that you would do. And it's not impressive at all, you know, and I was even talking to my, one of my cousins and he doesn't work out, but he got, I mean, he's an electrician, but he got mm -hmm. jacked. I mean, huge. And what he was doing was he was, uh, they were installing all these windmills across like mm -hmm. uh, out West. So he's climbing these ladders literally all day, like eight <laughs> hours a day. And I mean, results that I don't know if I could give someone from a gym routine <laughs> yeah. in a couple months, like in three months, he was huge. <laughs> I was like, the hell are you doing, are man? You doing? <laughs> like I'm eating McDonald's and I'm climbing ladders. <laughs> was, yeah, dude. That's like, it. It's really goes to show how simple this stuff can be. And yep. I guess that brings a good question. You know, when you were going through your bodybuilding obsessed, you know, aesthetic obsessed um, sort of routine at that point, would you say that you could have made those same results, maybe a longer duration with less effort over time? Or do you think that that was something that required all of your attention, all of your effort and the, like the amount of time it took? I think a lot of what I did was probably just learning through personal experience and experimentation. So if I had to like, for example, like start at the start again, um, 
I would probably do things a bit differently because I went through my phases where I did some kind of dumb shit, as mm-hmm. we all do. Right. So, but <clears throat> honestly, most of what I did was pretty straightforward. It wasn't too, like I went through a phase where I did some very high training volume. I hired a coach who uh, was kind of into that sort of stuff. Um, and it felt terrible. I was training for like two hours, two and a half hours at a time. Um, it's like, you know, five, six sets on everything going pretty much one one rep from failure. And I just felt awful. And I actually was like, hey, I, I was actually getting better results when I did like half of this. Mm-hmm. So it, I certainly do think that, you know, the majority of the results you're going to get and the majority of the results I got is just because I, you know, I've been training for a long time and I showed up and put in the effort consistently. And it wasn't really about trying to, uh, like, I don't think you can just compress all of that into a shorter time span and like force the results, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, there was periods where I think I, I could have trained a bit smarter, maybe a bit harder. Cause I went through a phase where I was a bit like, uh, there's some shit I got of T Nation as well, where I was like staying really far away from failure because I was like, oh, if you lift with uh, high intent and velocity, then you'll get higher motor unit recruitment. And that's what I want. And at that time, I didn't really understand that you can also train close to failure and get high motor unit recruitment and you actually get more tension on, on the muscle then as well. Right. So I spent a long time doing that, which was just like a waste of time and I should have just like actually worked more. <laughs> but you know, you get what I'm saying. Right. Um, yeah, so I, honestly, like you'd get clients come in, they'd be like, occasionally, this is, and this is not coming from a place of, of hubris or anything, but they'd just be like, hey, uh, I'd be like, okay, cool, what kind of results, uh, what, what, what do you want to do? And they're like, well, your physique's great, like I'd love to look something like you. Okay, cool, well, dude, listen, I've been training 15 years, you know, like I, I can't give you this in the next year right. or two or five, really. Um, maybe I can, you know, if we were exactly the same, and get my results in 15 years, I reckon I could maybe have gotten them in 12, you know, like, yeah. so yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, no, I think that's a good reminder. And two, that there's a, the genetic aspect as well. Like there's, yeah, there's a point, like when you said that you, you know, you did it, you got to the point and you're like, what do I do now? Like there's a, an upper limit <laughs> to what your body's going to allow you to do. Exactly. And it's, I think it's hard for people to, it's not linear, unfortunately, like the beginner gains, those are pretty linear, even intermediate. And then after that, it's like, okay, like, what are we doing? Like this, this gets a lot harder at that point. And definitely, but most people probably just need the beginner stuff at the end of the day. But, um, I'm curious as to, so you're saying that you played around with these different things. It took you, you know, say 15 years to get to that point. And you have these people that want the same like aesthetics. Um, I mean, what do you tell, like, do you just tell them what you said? Like, Hey, I'll give you like 12 years, like let's train together 12 years now or. Like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here's my 12 year package. Yeah. Right. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's going to cost you 120,000. Yeah. Um, the, well, what I did was basically like, listen. Um, so I, I get a lot of like, uh, I admire this physique on Instagram or whatever. So like, this is my target. This is what I want to look like. I know I won't maybe get there, blah, 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 but this is what I want to look at. And so a lot of what I'm doing is kind of like, hey, that's it's cool to be inspired by stuff like that, but you realize you're never going to look like them. 
but they're also never going to look like you. Like we each have our own unique thing going on. So why don't we start by like making those steps towards what we can improve? Let's pick the low hanging fruit because as you said, it's actually pretty easy to make a lot of your gains, you know, uh, fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. Okay. To, to maybe get that last like three kilos of muscle, say like, I don't know, six or seven pounds of muscle. Okay. That's maybe that'll take you like the last like four or five years to do, but you'll get the majority of it before then. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so certainly I think there's some real low hanging fruit for people like, Hey dude, like get to bed on time, eat some more vegetables, show up to the gym three times a week kind of thing. Uh, and, and the difference between now and six months from now will be literally night and day. And then let's think about the rest of it kind of thing. Um, so I think it is just, yeah, instilling in them that like, you know, journey of a thousand miles kind of thing um, right. and going from there. Yeah. Just helping them in, fall in love with the process of just being. Exactly. It's a process. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the, that's the hard part in a lot of ways. It is. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, oh, I'm going to do this for a year and then I'm done. I look like this forever. It's yep. like, uh, <laughs> <That's> it. <laughs> not quite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, my personal experience was like, it was never enough. Like that was the thing. Like I, I said before, like, Hey, I, I did it or whatever. Honestly, when I was that physique, it was discouraging because it was like, um, I know I can probably take it to another level, but what it's going to take is ridiculous. And to be honest, going from 92 kilos to 93 to 94 to 95 and being lean, I didn't feel any less like, or any more satisfied with my physique, put it that way. Like, I, I mean, I could, I could objectively see that compared to the average person, I was much more muscular and much leaner, but it still kind of didn't feel that way for me subjectively, you know, which is like really weird to think about. So, um, just from personal experience, I can tell you that it's very difficult to be like a hundred percent truly satisfied with your physique unless it's not your primary focus, unless mm-hmm. it's like I said before, you have these other things that you can kind of put your energy and focus on that takes away how much meaning you place on how you look. Then you can be more satisfied with how you look because it's not like the be all end all and you're holding it up to this, this sort of unattainable standard. Um, so, yeah. Would you say that you weren't necessarily satisfied at that point because of like comparison to maybe like more enhanced athletes? Yeah, probably. Probably. And because I think you get to that category, like if I were to go right now, um, I think the average person when they've started their, their, their gym journey, like I'll I'll give an example, maybe like, okay, let's say I was bench pressing like 80 kilos. So like 170 pounds or something. Um, I'm not comparing myself to like a 600 pound deadlifter, Mm -hmm. uh, bench presser, sorry, because it's like, it's so far out of it's like comparing myself to Usain Bolt or an NFL athlete. I mean, it's just like, we're not even in the same category. It's like, we're a different species, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's as if I'm comparing myself to a cheetah running. It, it just doesn't make sense. It's not even within my realm of like possibilities, but as you improve and as you get better and as you get faster or stronger, all of a sudden now it's like, oh, actually this is maybe more of a possibility for me. And now I am comparing myself to these people that are like absolute freaks because I'm sort of on the bottom rung of their stratosphere, you know? Um, And so I actually think that the dissatisfaction was higher because yes, now this is what you're comparing yourself to. You're not no longer comparing yourself to, you know, the average guy who, who maybe trains four days a week and looks pretty good. You've gone beyond that. Mm -hmm. Um, So it, it, you know, I would, I remember going to, I guess I had a back problem. And so I went to a Cairo, right. And he goes, uh, 
I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I haven't really been able to like deadlift and squat properly. I really love training legs and this kind of stuff. And he goes, well, how much do you deadlift? And I was like, well, I pulled like 200 the other day. So like 200 kilos. Um, and he's like, oh shit, that's pretty good, man. You're strong. And I was like, dude, that sucks where yeah. I'm from. <laughs> that's terrible. Like, right. There's like 10 people in my gym that are way stronger than me, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, like I'm hanging out with, there's a guy called Will Crozier who's like one of the strongest deadlifters in Australia. And I mean, I'm like, I hang out with the guy and he comes, comes down to Sydney and he pulls like 360, you know, <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm just like comparing myself to that. Uh, so yeah, it, it's just weird how the comparisons actually get even worse. And I certainly think then building a business on the back of a little bit, how you look and, you know, consorting with, with, with other people, you spend a lot of time on Instagram and there's a lot of people putting up these unattainable sort of physiques with great lighting and filters and shit on Instagram as well. And the more you see that, the more you're exposed to it, the less sort of reasonable point of reference you have, obviously. So I I really realized that. And and I think one of the biggest things you can do, um, you don't even necessarily have to change your, your physique or your training or anything, or go through this whole values exercise that I spoke about before. If you just unfollow a few people or spend less time on Instagram, let me tell you that your training and everything will feel better. You will be happier with your physique straight up. Definitely. I I think that's some really good advice and definitely something. It, it's like it always pulls you back in though. That's the worst part. Yeah. Like, it's not easy. It's not easy. I mean, they literally make that stuff in order to be addicting in a lot of ways. But uh, I, it's almost, would you recommend ever you know, say someone does have physique, bodybuilding aspirations, right? Uh, more natural. Like, would you ever like say, hey, well, what if you compared yourself to more like silver era bodybuilders or something like that? Like, that's maybe a bit more of like a healthy way to approach it. Or would you still be mm-hmm. like, eh, don't even worry about that? Yeah, honestly, like personally, I, I would probably recommend even like don't. I mean, it's happy. I'm happy to like be inspired by people. I was very inspired by um, people like Franco Colombo. And I, I really admired how like uh, Ed Corney posed and presented himself. Tom Platts was my hero because he, you know, big, big quads, mm-hmm. legs, all this sort of stuff. I was very inspired by that. Um, so I think that's fine. Like that, that's totally cool. But I think there's a difference between like, yeah, yeah, this is a cool physique. And I admire this person. And you know, I spend 30 minutes every day looking at other people's physiques on my phone and then you sort of naturally tend to compare yourself a little bit to that. So, um, yeah, I do think obviously giving yourself a more reasonable reference point is probably helpful, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you still got to run your own race. And, and I think, um, although part of the sport is looking at your body, just reducing the amount that you actually check your body and stuff. Like, I mean, I, I used to, every time I went to the bathroom, there would be two mirror checks. Right. So I got in there, mirror check, check the abs out, pinch the fat, etc. Use the bathroom, do it again before you leave. Like every single time. So, I mean, that adds up, right? Right. And then you're in the gym, you're looking at yourself in the mirror and, and this kind of stuff. So just reducing that and, and that exposure is actually, it makes such a big difference. And it doesn't mean like if you're, if you're a bodybuilder or you've got some physique aspirations, then you've got to look at yourself sometimes. You don't want to avoid that either. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, let's say once or twice a day is much more reasonable than like 28 times a day. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it, some people may even get to that point. I know I have where it's like unconscious, like you just walk past exactly. a mirror and it's like, check myself out. And it's like, man, yep. like how like, self-absorbed am I like at this point, yeah. like it really turns into that. 
I like, so I got my fitness journey, I guess in some ways started with, uh, I ran cross country hmm. and that tied really well with, you know, bodybuilding, just strength training, all of that, because again, it's, it's running your own race. Like even though in cross country, you're running races against people, if, you know, at the end of the race, you're like, what's my time, like my yep. time. And so having that idea of like, all right, well, I hit, you know, 17 minutes for a 5k this time. Like I want to hit 16, four, that, those are super fast times. Uh, but it, like either way, like you're trying to always beat your own individual time. And so for some of my people, I've even told them like, why don't you get into running and sort of like, you don't have a chance to look at your body or do anything. You're just in this constant grind. And I find that that can be, it, it, it can help sort of pull people out of that hmm. in some way. Like you're just in this task nonstop versus I'm going to do the task for 45 seconds. And then I have two minutes rest and I can stare at myself in a mirror like yeah yeah you know let me admire the pump i just got it's like yeah. i think that's kind of where people can fall short or you know start that process a lot of times that makes a lot of sense i think that's a cool aspect and i think that's one of the reasons why i often encourage people for some of their exercise to to do some kind of organized sport or something like that yeah you sport know? exactly like that's a huge one too it's like go pick up a, just pick up a sport, something socially engaging too. If you like, that's even better. Like yep. I picked up golf and like, I'm terrible, but, and you know, I'll play with my buddies and they, they'll smoke me, but it's like, Oh, I shot a, you know, I broke a hundred for the first time last year. And I was like, I finally broke a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> like I finally did it. Like I'm actually like, I kind of compare myself a little bit, but it's still always a, you know, how can I do better for myself? Mm. or against myself, I would say. But you know, at the same time, like you're outside, you're getting fresh air, you're hanging out with some buddies. You know, yep. it, It's just a good atmosphere to be in and just switches things up. Like there's something about it that's just totally. so healthy. Yeah, uh, a million times. I think I'm a big fan of that stuff that's kind of like bang for buck, you know? So um, as you say, yeah, you get outside, you get some social time um you know like if you play like so i do the touch rugby um i get cardio in without having to think about okay i'm going to go do my cardio session now um i get some some different movement other than just you know freaking sagittal plane uh so it's it's just like all of these things bundled into one like hour and a half activity that i don't even think about any of that while i'm there mm -hmm. it's like the the italians need a little bit more of the the gym building a little bit more structure. <laughs> yeah. and then you, whereas like we need more of that, you know, just, just go kick a football around. A hundred percent, man. Just like, go it play. was actually funny because we were in Venice when that happened. And the guy was like, yeah, well in summer, I just, I go, I paddle gondolas. And I was like, yeah. that's actually pretty cool. Right. Well, it, like, you know, I got a paddle board. Like I've been paddle boarding yeah, more, like just enjoying the summer, enjoying And that's just getting out of that. I, you know, I, I have to remind myself a lot of the times and, uh, some of my clients is like when you really think of the gym, it's still sort of this um, sterilized environment for what we mm. technically should probably have gotten, you know, hundreds of years ago, just yeah. naturally in the environment. Like you probably wouldn't be a huge farmer, but like you would have been relatively strong and like active and had decent cardio to some degree. Like, yep. so 
you know, of course, everything in, I feel like modern society, it just takes that aspect and it's like, oh, like push it as far as it can in that direction. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was like sure. yeah. the gym, here's a machine for how you can get all the quad in the world, you know, with yeah, this exactly. one movement. Like, so we're always trying to maximize that, but it's just a reminder of like, you know, just be in the moment, be in the environment that is so healthy. And I think where we need to live a lot more frequently if we can. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've learned that massively, like just, um, I think how we relate to our bodies and our physicality is so much different when you're doing things like that compared to, like you said, a, like a very prescriptive, almost like on the rails, so to speak, experience in the gym, which is also cool. Like it, it's obviously very helpful, but um, yeah, there's just something about how you sort of feel towards your 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 physical body when you're using it to do other stuff like that. It's like an interesting experience having done almost exclusively gym training very intensely for a long time and then mixing back in you know things like um like swimming or rock climbing or or playing footy you know it's it's really different yeah it, it's it's weird it really shows yourself like does this stuff actually like carry over sometimes like it does oh, but massively. it's yeah 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 you know there's I there's remember, no substitute right yeah like i've because I ran track and uh, like up till my freshman year of college and like I stopped running track and I was like, oh, I'm just going to lift. And if I lift and squat super heavy, like I'm going to be a lot faster. And <laughs> I got, you know, I got up to like 315 pounds on my squat like for three. And I was like, oh, I'm a badass. Like I bet my sprint is so fast. And that same week that I like hit that, that triple, I went out and sprinted and I was like, I'm the slowest motherfucker yeah. Like what just happened to me? <laughs> like, yeah. This did not carry over like I thought at all. <laughs> it's funny, man. It's like all all the best rugby players, uh well, most of them that I've played with, like m most of them hate the gym and they barely go, but they're all the best players. It's like, okay. <laughs> it's been Maybe they would be slightly better if they liked the gym more, but still like they can get away with bench pressing like 100 pounds and still being an absolute beast on the field because they know how to play. Yeah, they know how to play. They know the technique. They're they're just in that environment. It's you know, yeah. it's like you can't chase the hunter can't chase two rabbits at once a lot of the times. Yeah. So you just yeah. gotta. But I think like cycling through, you know, like I'm gonna play only rugby for this amount of time and or really focus on that. Like yeah. right now, I've been well. I say that I've been in like a really long bulk at this point, but I've played more golf than I ever have in my life, and that's mm. something I've just been like really pushing at this point. And my game has gotten better, like significantly. So yeah. it's like, pick your poison. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, there it is. Well, Luke, man, it was great having you on the show. Uh, I think we're getting to that end point here. But if you wouldn't mind, how about you hit us with the uh, the socials, you know, where we can find totally. you? Yeah, for sure, man. Um, LukeTullock.com slash links. Go there, actually. Uh, and on Instagram, uh, I'm underscore Luke Tullick and you can find pretty much everything there. Perfect, man. That's awesome. Yeah. I'll definitely put that down in the show notes and thank you so much for coming on the show and we'll see I you guys it, in the next one.